best not miss. Well, I'm a bust real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to The Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to The Party Pal as a proud member of the Osiris Media Network. Check out all their podcasts, everything they got going on, live events, and all that at OsirisPod.com. Today, we journey off to Hawthorne, the $1,250 a head restaurant situated on a lonely island to celebrate Mark Millard's shocking black comedy horror film, The Menu. It was written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy, based on an original story created by Tracy, and it was produced by Adam McKay, Betsy Koch, and Will Farrell. It features an excellent ensemble cast that includes Ralph Fiennes as a celebrity chef, with Hong Choi playing his assistant, and Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, Jeanette McTeer, Reed Bernie, Judith Light, and John Leguizamo playing diners who attend his exclusive restaurant. In it, a young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish meal with some shocking surprises. It's really a wild ride of a film, and to break it down consummately, I have Douglas Grant with me back on the program as our co-host. We get into it all. We discuss the bevy of recent films targeting uh, the rich with satire while exploring the depth behind the multi-course meal that resides at the heart of the film. We talk about the remarkable cast, the rich hilarity of dark comedy found within the menu, and a whole lot more. Let's just get right into it. Doug, welcome. Welcome back to the party. How you doing? Doing all right, and thank you. Uh, I'm always grateful to sit in on these, but I'm particularly enthusiastic to discuss today's movie. It's really, it was such a delight um, uh, coming upon this movie. I didn't expect it. Um, let's just see if we can get through this uh, conversation without saying mouthful. Um, and then Oh, we'll you stole that, man. I, was, <laughs> I had that all queued up to say. <laughs> um, yeah, let me hear your general thoughts on it. You said you're excited about it. I'd love to hear why. Um, I, I feel the same way about it. It just, it's, it delighted me. Uh, I really, I love very intelligent satire. Like, I, it's one of my favorite types of films. And, uh, you know, this is a topic that I believe is near and dear to both of our hearts. We've um, enjoyed being and immersing ourselves in the food scenes of our cities. We've time no garnered appreciation for the culinary arts and picked up things along the way. And um, it's just been one of those experiences for us that makes life worth living. And but there's a dark side to it, and that's what this movie <laughs> likes to explore. Definitely, I understand, and I think we'll really dig into it too. I want to talk about food culture and, and foodies and the whole thing. How do you now when you talk about this film? But there's there is an art to it. There's something I so respect, but there's a ridiculous to it. There's a pretension at times, and this really, um, you know, uh, it points its it points its finger at it in a major way. I, you know, when I first saw this, um, you know, the the preview for I think it was when I was seeing um, everything uh, everywhere uh, all at once. Is uh, it caught my eye though? I feel like this usually isn't the type of film that I would like. It's you know the horror kind of like kind of up in the ante. Thing. But I mean, right away, I was looking at this amazing cast, which we'll get into, produced by Adam McKay and Will uh, Farrell. But it just like also food, you know. So I was, I was interested. I thought there was something special here. It looked a little wonky, looked different, and it is. And it's totally, um, it's totally different. It's one of the most unique films, uh, uh, you know, I've seen in a while. But 
I just have to give them credit right off the bat for how hard they leaned into this. I mean, there is nothing subtle about what's going on in this. They kept raising the ante. They kept they owned exactly the type of movie it was, what you know, what they were going for. It really knew it was really cocksure and, and aware of what it was. And I, I found that super, super impressive. Uh, agreed. And I think when you talk about the ante and the stakes being raised, I didn't. I, I came into this with fresh eyes. I hadn't seen the trailer. I went off oh, cool. the recommendation. And so, you know, by the time we get to course three, chicken tacos, we're still kind of in this like uncomfortable area, but we don't know how far it's going to go. Yep. But by fifth, fourth course, fourth course, the mess, we're like, oh, oh, okay. It's, it's going there. Like how, how deep is this going to go? How far are we going to take this? And it just, yeah. after that, it's just like all bets are off. I really do want to get into uh, the courses. I want to go through. They really say something, um, and, and you know, there's meaning behind there. I feel like there's, there's a lot of meaning here. I mean, there's twelve um, dinner guests. There's twelve apostles at the Last Supper. I think a lot of there's a lot of you know things they did very purposefully. But um, it is interesting that we're at a point where we're seeing a lot of shows and movies that are doing um, satire targeting the rich. I mean, we, you know, White Lotus kind of clowns them a bunch. Triangle of Sadness is a big one that's popular right now. Um, to a degree, the new Knives Out does that. And you know what does it? It's Secession. And this, um, the director, Mark Millard, is um, a big Secession director. He did 13 of them. He's also done six episodes of Game of Thrones, a bunch of Shameless. But, I mean, it's something he's played in this world uh, before. What also is really fun to see is the response all the way around to this film, not only me and you, I'm seeing great reviews in the New York Times. I'm coming upon people who see it all the time and just like, have you seen this thing? It's really, it's really wonderful. It's doing well on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's a film I wouldn't expect everyone to love like this. I mean, it's just getting a lot of praise and it's, um, you know, it deserves it. It really deserves it. Yeah, I thought this might, like, after I was like, okay, that's definitely a type of film that I like to take in, but will yeah. other people take it if I recommend it? But I have not recommended it to someone yet where they didn't come back and be like, thank you. It was a weird movie. Thank, thank you, Mike. Yeah, no, exactly. It was a weird movie. I felt weird when I was kind of, um, you know, when I started reaching out to people and I re reached out to you, of course, and I'm like, check this out. I'm like, am I crazy? Am I crazy they, saying that it's this good, that it's a must-see film? But um. How about this cast? Let's get into it a little bit with with just this this you know who they brought to the table. Um, perfectly, Ralph Fiennes as as the chef. I mean, they just just perfect for that. I want to get. I want to say right away, the film's MVP to me is Elsa um, Hong Chau. She's she's just kind of she's like the main assistant there. She is just absolutely incredible. Um, her and that Judith Light. It's worth notice. Have you jumped diving into uh, Poker Face yet? I have not. It's really good, Doug. It's really, really good. I recommend it to all the listeners as well. It's um, but they have two main roles in two of those episodes. Really great, great casting choices. But uh, Nicholas Holt was just amazing as Tyler. He was a real, real big part of that. You know, he, how good it was. I only knew like I, I'd like to see him in more stuff. I've only yeah. ever known his Young Beast. Young Beast. So to see his range and to see how he played that role. That like he was one of my favorite parts of that movie. He absolutely how serious he took it was 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 hilarious. So he has um kind of a knack for playing these arrogant fools. He's in The Great, which is a television show, and he kind of plays an arrogant fool in that. I mean, he's that moment when he was like, You think um you think Chef is mad at me? And he was really, really getting into it was really great. But I just love the character of, of Elsa, right? When she's giving the um 
the tour. It's just how the, the how how sincere she lays out the lines, and you know she's talking about how they sleep there and how hard they work. And you know, the, uh, one of them asks her, "You guys ever get burned out?" And she goes, "Burned out." And he goes, "Yeah, sorry, like tired of doing the same thing." And she says, like straight face, and she's always sincere with her answers. Chef holds himself to the higher standard, and so do we. We never burn anything unless by design to make delicious. <laughs> like it's just so good. Um, I do wish Judith Light. Her character, she's such a great actress. I wish she had a little more, you know, she's kind of like the wife and, and downtrodden wife. I wish there was a little more there. But the cast was just stunning all the way through John Leguizamo and everything there. Anything to speak of the cast? Margot was perfect, too. Did you uh, say Judith Light? Is that Judith Light from Growing Pains? It sure is. She's, oh, um, she's uh, what's the, uh, I can't think of the show right now. I'll, I'll think of it. Um, uh, but she's, she's just, anything I'm seeing in these days, she's really fantastic. Oh, all right. Well, thanks for pointing that out. I mean, sometimes it's been 20, 30 years since I've seen anyone or anything. But was it Judith with the growing pains or who's the boss? I can't remember. It's who's the boss. It's totally okay. who's the boss. I was like, <laughs> I, I knew there was something wrong with that. Um, um, the cast. Um, so like I mentioned, Nicholas Holt, uh, I, I thought at, at first I thought like was almost playing himself. But then I realized <laughs> okay, he, he played that so well. Yep. And his 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 storyline was a little harder for me to put together towards the latter part of the film. Um, but, you know, I have yet to see anything Anya Taylor-Joy has been in that I haven't been blown away by. And I know she's like, Absolutely. I know that she's at the pinnacle of her career now. Not, not even the pinnacle. She's got years ahead of her to go. But like I've seen her deliver a powerhouse performance everything she's been in and this this could be one of my um favorite films she's been in just because uh i don't want to get ahead of the plot or anything but the yeah. way the way she i knew she had to outsmart <laughs> chef in some way i knew she was going to survive this thing but i was like how is she going to do it and is it going to be well done is it going to be convincing mm -hmm. and the way she does it the way her character margot pulls that off was really impressive to me <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, the the uh, the television show I was thinking about with Judith Light, where she really it was kind of like a comeback thing. That's transparent, uh, which she just is remarkable in that. So, it's a satire film, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about who we're laughing at here. So the, the you know, it does it does take a big swing at food food culture, uh, both kind of like what happens in the kitchen and also the writers, kind of the snobby culture journalists. I mean, I like I said earlier, I do believe food is art. I um. But it is it is fun to laugh at some of the pretension and some of like kind of what, you know, it's all become um, and especially foodies. It just, you know, and, and like I, I, I've kind of considered myself in that realm. I really, really appreciate it. But if you can't laugh at ourselves or laugh at them, you know, it's it's you have to. You absolutely have to. So those two things are something we're really uh, getting into. Um, and then, you know, we got hedge fund bros, tech bros, uh, entitled, washed up actors, uh, a jaded married couple. There's a whole lot that they're 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 making fun of or pointing out, and you know these are the type of people who live in this world, and it's 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 pretty deep. They 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 go deep on this. Yeah, agreed. Now, like <clears throat> I can watch this and look at some of the characters and and not be able to relate to be like laugh and like all right, yeah, I can see why you're ruining the business, but then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see myself in some of these characters and my own pretentiousness yeah. and the, what I've what I've brought to this whole thing. It's I, I can easily laugh at myself, but also just be like, yeah, this is I know this is accurate because that's me right there. That's me yeah. sitting at that table. <laughs> no question. I've 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 I've, I've tilered it up. I've taken that picture. I've sat there and kind of just like 
you know, taking my time tasting something. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it, but I understand the ridiculousness of it. I mean, talking about what kind of happens in the kitchen, I think there is something kind of deep about the uh, toxicity that does occur in some kitchens. I was reading some article about kind of the inventor of the brigade system that in, informs a lot of these commercial kitchen, uh, kitchens. His name is Auguste Escoffier. Uh, and he was inspired um, by bullying and battlefields. As a teenager, he got pushed around while apprenticing with his uncle. And as a 20-something army, he enlisted um, in the Franco-Prussian War. And he saw repurposing these like kind of war-type ideas and, and, and the military-type system and put it into a kitchen that, so that it could be more professional. It was that toxicity was kind of built in on purpose, but uh, it's a reason I kind of really like the bear too. The bears, the, the show, it's really trying to look at food culture and they're trying to figure out a way to take that toxicity out or how do we do it different? How do we keep the food level up in that way? Uh, but also, you know, uh, not be like that. So there is definitely something to unpack about what's going on in the kitchen and, and, kind of that military style thing. So I want to talk about the uh, the dishes, the courses. You want to you want to go down that road a little bit? Definitely want to go down that road. Okay, so the uh, first dishes on the boat. I think with that and to talk about some of the meaning behind some of these. I think that tells us that, that what they're doing there is telling us about Tyler when he's trying that lemon caviar, um, you know, raw oyster. Um, you know, that's his reaction to it, the picture there, but uh the first course was a lot of fun. That's where we talk, um, you know, I think it's the island. And, um, you know, th that really sets up the eating the e ecosystem joke. And, you know, it's just there. I, I do want to say this before moving forward to what's a big banger. The second course, um, these are beautiful dishes. They were um, designed by an actual chef and they're gorgeous. You know, they all look good as well. I want to eat them. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um yeah, and I, I think there's something paradoxical about the nature of the first course because I, I feel like foodies these days, they want to sit in a really like upscale five-star atmosphere yeah. and experience that. But at the same time, they also crave that grassroots, like I'm eating straight from the land yeah. kind of uh -huh. mentality. And when he, you know, that's what I think what sticks with his entire ecosystems. Like, I think that's what's going to appeal to the people. Like, oh, we get to consume entire ecosystems. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a, there is a, like a highbrow and lowbrow thing to the, you know, the street food is kind of celebrated by foodies in a similar way as like these white table things. The restaurant here was inspired by restaurants like Noma, that famous one in Copenhagen. And the look of it was like really perfect. You know what they've tried to do is that when you look at the chef, look behind him it's kind of got like a steeple look too they wanted him to feel like priestly and you know kind of really in charge which which really works so that ecosystem joke was great for the first course the second course is a banger that is the breadless bread plate where things start getting real fun as we talked about the ante going up um i love when the food critic for that one it's just like the concept of this dish is rooted in class class history <laughs> and you're just you know in it, it you know he talks about how you know None of the, you know, the, uh, uh, it's, you know, this is a, a bread for commoners and none of your commoners, but he's also disrespecting and insulting them in the same way. The, that breadless bread plate was really special. He's also reeling them in. He's like giving them a false sense of like belonging. Like, yeah, this is our little private club right here. You're not the commoner. Yep. And this is all for, this is all setting up what comes later. And I like that. I like him stoking their egos. Absolutely. No, they, that was definitely reeling them in. You're, you, you deserve only the best when we see what they get. Third course was the chicken tacos with scissors. And this this was a big, 
big step in, in, in raising the ante. I mean, you know, when we get to, you know, some of the some, the mess and those things get out of control. But this was this was wild. I mean, this was when things really started to get twisted. This is when he brings his family trauma into it. You know, he was sta- he stabbed his father when, um, you know, uh, with scissors as he was abusing his mother. What did you think about his mother sitting there the whole time? That was very, very creepy and interesting. <laughs> I, uh, I I liked it. I liked I had I had a sneaking suspicion, but I, yeah, me too. Her her stoic presence was just a constant reminder of like, all right, things things are moving along here in a direction we hadn't anticipated, yep. and uh, just see where this goes. There's something super more. That's also when the taco shells exposed guest secrets, so, which I thought was super super well played. And I love the I love the research behind you know uh, uh, how they went after these people, which is great. The fourth course, where's the things you knew things were just completely off the um, you know reservation. That's the mess. Things got really dark. I mean. That's where sous chef uh, Jeremy killed himself. That I did. I did not see that coming. I, I didn't know if it was going to go that far. Yeah, I, I like that course because I think in like a lot of um, a lot of artistic endeavors and professions that rely heavily on artistic expression, uh-huh. there are always going to be people who know they're good but will never achieve greatness, and sure. everyone has to cope with that one day. And here's chef with his <laughs> with Jeremy. So, <laughs> saying okay he's good but he's not going to be great and he knows this and for that he has to die or <laughs> it's unbelievable it's that's really well said too i do want to like i said these besides the mess these dishes are beautiful i was thinking about the palate cleanser that comes next that clove of red tea when they pour it they were um all designed by an actual chef it's uh dominique uh i think cren um it's a chef she has uh at Lier. Cran, I probably pronounced it wrong. It's a San Francisco taste and menu. She was deeply involved in these whole things. The palate cleanser is really when the chef, um, it's kind of like another, even though the storm is already brewed, but it was kind of like a calm before like the real storm that that happens. And he, he, around this time, he really starts taking time to explain why he despises all of them and starts breaking them down a little bit more. And it's really, it's such a perfect role for Ralph Fiennes. He owns it so good. This course, I mean, they're all symbolic in sure. one way or another, but this could be the most symbolic of the courses. Like, let's cleanse our palates yep. before you see what comes next. What's going on? It's, it's really on the nose. And you've already alluded to it a couple of times. I feel like, you know, with the mother sitting there and you knew, you know, what was going to happen with um, Margot at the end. Like, some things were sitting right in front of your face, but it still worked. It didn't take it away that I was able to guess certain things or whatnot. It just, it's just, it's a really... I didn't expect it when I sat in on it, it to be such a well-conceived movie as well. Man's Folly comes up soon uh, after where they really humiliate the men. Only the women are served. Um, that's where sous chef uh, Catherine comes in. And, you know, you get to see the show, uh, the lack of courage for the men who just take off running. Um, very telling, uh, you know, banning their command, uh, companions. Very telling of... Uh, human nature and then you know the woman gets to eat the um that beautiful again the beautiful egg that they get to eat but man's folly was hilarious <laughs> yeah I and i like you know we they explore chef's trauma and they yeah. ex- you know they explore his disdain for what the business has become but here yep. him saying hey here's the part i played in it here's the reason why i get this i deserve to be stabbed in the thigh <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly he was really it's 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 a journey inside, you know, especially as we go towards the end, you know, his whole life and everything. And I guess that's that's kind of the point of the whole thing. You know, he puts his whole life into his food. 
Uh, we're about to reach Tyler's bullshit, which is just it's just the best. It's absolutely the best. Um, but it's also revealed right around this time that Tyler knew um, that uh, all the time that the guests would all die, which is a really, really messed up moment in the film, especially since he brings along someone who's kind of like an outsider who, you know, you can say all these people kind of deserve what, what's coming. But I mean, there was one who didn't and he was responsible for bringing her along and he knew the whole time they were not walking away. It also shows how like deep he was kind of, I don't know, brainwashed or caught up in the culture or something that he was still cool with it to go along with it. But what did you think of Tyler's bullshit? I have to know. It's so funny. I loved it. I mean, what I loved most about it is, um, you know, anytime I've pursued my like interest in like the culinary arts, you know, I'll sit and eat a plate, but I'll always try and pick up things like, all right, how can I become a better chef in the kitchen? What, like, what, so when they've, <laughs> when they finally give it an opportunity to cook, uh, my favorite part of it, I, I believe the first thing he asked for is shallots, but chefs waiting expectantly, like, what's your first ingredient? Uh, sh shallots? Oh, no, do you want shallots to eat? Like, <laughs> and then it really got me good when they did the, you know, each course had all the ingredients listed out with Tyler's bullshit, the, the ending, total lack of cohesion. That, yeah. that just got me so good. It was it, it it was really the funniest moment. I was absolutely blown by that course and just the idea behind it. Um, let's let's push the su supplemental course, the cheeseburger, away a little bit because I do want to dig into the ending. But the final dessert was such a home run. Um, that's the s'mores, which he despised. I thought it was a brilliant culmination of everything. I mean, it was a full, massive, abstract painting on like a thirty foot by sixty foot floor. It was. It looked beautiful. It was uh, just the way the story behind it, how much he despised these treats and everything. I thought they brought that home with this with this thing in such a major, incredible way. Yeah, his disdain for gelatinous sugar and <laughs> processed and rich wheat flour and sugar. <laughs> like, you know, he talks about that. He's like, this is your American dessert. Like, this is how you identify it. Like, yep. just disgust in the way Ralph finds the little is that it's just so poignant to me because it's, it's just, right. <laughs> it really looked great too I mean there's I mean you got to give it up to the cinematography about the whole thing wait when was um when did they kill the the restaurant tour was that during birthday cake because I know it's just kind of skipped over birthday cake but I that was another part where like I was um I didn't know how much they could raise the ante on me like when like you know, you go through the mess and everything's going on there and people are killing themselves. I was still able to find myself shocked when they had him out there hanging above the water and then they slowly drowned him. It was just, it was unbelievable. I was, I was like, they, they, they they're not going to let up. This is really ridiculous. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Well, he was indicative of like his chef's axe to grind with every character for completely mutually exclusive reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and he was slowly dipped in the water. I was just like, oh, okay, look at that. All right. <laughs> Yet so, another reason for Chef to take this whole industry to task. Or not the industry itself, but the, um, you know, it, it reminds me a little of that book you recommended a few years ago, The, Revi uh, the Revisionaries, because yeah. and the author can't account for his relationship with his reader. Yeah. Chef here can't account for his relationship with his diner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I loved how it's kind of like the... Um... I don't know whether they call them hedge fund bros or tech bros. Um, uh, they were wrapped up with the restaurant tour. There's one point they're like, do you know who I work with? And Elsa, just goddess that she is, she goes, I know who you work for, you know, instead of with. Um, and just they worked with them. They just they, they were the type of, you know, who I work with or do you know who I am? 
type guys, which was really, really great. I mean, she's such, I want to work my way towards our way towards um, the end here, but I mean, she just, the amount of fucks that Margot had to give was just amazing. None. She was done. She was just, it was, you're, it was so easy to root for her. She was such a great hero to this thing. I was just, you had her back the whole time. And that's why, I've, I mean, I want to ask you, I want to hear your thoughts on it, but I did find, I found the ending very, very satisfying. I'm curious your thoughts there. Yeah, I I mean, like I alluded to earlier, I like the way that, you know, Margot had to use her brain to get her stuff out of the situation. I like that, but I just, yeah. <laughs> there's, I guess what I liked best about I mean, they all die like it was planned. They all die in this <laughs> over-the-top, artful manner with s'mores at the center. But what I didn't account for is <laughs> the acceptance I saw on the faces of the diners who were about to be burned alive. They're like, all right, you, you got it, chef. We walked ourselves <laughs> in. Like, that was like, uh, that, was, uh, that was the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, it really brought home just how... Uh how invested they made everyone who worked there, um, how the devotion, especially to the idea of dying with them. It shows kind of the chef's power and just how much of a cult-like uh, atmosphere and cult-like leader figure he was, which is great. I mean, the um, the whole cheeseburger thing, it was a cool way to bring him back to his roots. And, and you know, you had to, uh, you know, buy into it a little bit. Um, but, you know, I there was something really awesome to me about just watching her um eat a cheeseburger and watch this messy world burn you know it's, it's just like sit back it's like like and i think one of the reasons for it was there wasn't nobody was lack of, you know everybody was guilty in there in some way and like there was culpability and just reason that you could just kind of you never want to see anyone burn to their death but like in that moment in a film like this you could understand why you know she could sit back and, and find some satisfaction and like, fuck all you people. You all had this coming. And it was as, as, as someone watching this, you can have that same feeling with her. Like that feels good. You know, you can feel good about what happened to them. And that's, 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 that's an earned feeling you had to, you know, get, it's really cool. And that's why I kind of was, um, you know, I, 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 the only thing I could say is I wish Judith Light's character had more meat on it. You got to know each of these people and you got to know why to despise them or whatever your feelings are towards them. But they took enough time with each of them that you knew who they were, why we didn't like them or why Chef didn't like them or whatnot. That, that you know, if they weren't here anymore, you would understand why and, and feel OK about it. Yeah, I mean, when you think about a plot like this that is centered on a 12-course meal, um, it would be easy for the director to stumble in the pacing, but sure. the pacing perfect. Like, but yep. by the time we had reached the conclusion, like we had gone through all these courses, and like you said, gotten uh, just enough of a glimpse into these characters' lives to understand. All right, well, <laughs> you're culpable too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Everyone, everyone was gone. So I have it. Um like already up there i think thought about this a lot i used to write for like um kind of like a a food website and i wrote about food movies a bunch i actually wrote a, a pretty ridiculous article about how i believe breakfast club could be looked at as a food movie because if you look at like their lunch each of their lunches told you something about exactly who they were in their home life but so i've thought a lot about one of the best um you know food movies i put this right there with any of the best um I, my favorite is Big Night. I think uh, Ratatouille is right there, but there's you know a bunch of honorable mentions in Chef, The Founder, uh, The Trip, 
Jared dreams of sushi, Tampapo. Uh, like I said, big night was my favorite. Do you, uh, I'm not sure you spent time and thought about this as I have, but you have a big you have food movie that, um, you know, reigns above all. Well, when we thought when you had mentioned it earlier, I thought, okay, this is going to take a while for me to think about, but it didn't. It popped right into my head, and that would have to be waiting because, oh, yeah. as far as commentary goes, yep. Um, if you did a Venn diagram of these two movies, the, the differences would be vast, but yep. both make really poignant social commentary about and want diners, the relationship between back of the house and the people yep. who come in to eat the food being produced, like. I waiting really stands out there for me as just and again this is like like we talked about with uh the menu yeah you get to look at each type of demographic that walks into a restaurant and what they represent and how they can <laughs> kill the joy of the very people who got into this business to make them happy to to make something for people to enjoy and how those people they're making it for <laughs> can just take all the joy out of that process absolutely I I think you know, we talked earlier and just kind of started out talking about how there's all these satires, whether in film or television, uh, kind of targeting the rich. And I think this is heightened by what happened with COVID, and especially when you're talking about food. I mean, we saw so many people who were, you know, the backbone of what we eat and, and uh, what, you know, how we get groceries, you know, how we didn't have to leave our house. And then just, uh, you know, the other people, which I was lucky enough to be, where we could just kind of be served and waited on. And, you know, I feel there's a lot of discussions about that. And we're seeing more movies, I believe we are, um, you know, about class divisions. And it's a unique way to uh, kind of attack it and deal with this wealth inequality, which keeps growing and growing across not just the country, the globe. And it's something, you know, I think movies always, you know, uh, reflect what's going on and reflect what we want to talk about. And even in a weird, you know, a black comedy horror film like this, we're talking about headier and bigger issues that really, really matter. And I think that's interesting. I think art has always been tackling what's going on and they do it in a cool way here. I, I think I'd, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, I mean, in, in artistic expression and art forms all across the world, like I think what we're seeing, just like our beloved English language, it's always in a state of flux, always changing. Yeah. And I think the that our relationship with food is changing. And this is a great moment in time for someone to artistically say, here's where we're at, at least the way through my paradigm, here's where we're at with our relationship with food. And <laughs> is this really the relationship you want to have with food? Yeah. <laughs> like, is this... Is this how we want to engage with this thing that sustains us, that gives us life? Yeah. Well, well, I would be grateful for, um, you know, a $1,200 dinner. We definitely have to, you know, talk about the ridiculousness of a $1,200. I, You know what? I've um, been fortunate enough to be an idiot and spend a lot of money on on a tasting menu. I actually thought this was light when they thought the number because it involved a boat ride to an island, a limited thing. I thought I thought if they threw a bigger number at it, I wouldn't be surprised. I've I've had some some experiences that that got pretty high in the whole thing. But um thank you for taking my recommendation and uh and I'm glad you enjoyed it and and thank you for uh, coming back on and talking about this really really cool cool flick. Yeah, I think our enthusiasm for this movie, like we we didn't come into this like let's do a podcast around yeah. this, but once we started talking, I was like, I think this is inevitable that we're gonna have a podcast on this. Absolutely, <laughs> I think I think we just I was just ripping through things. I think we talked about an hour's worth of material in a half hour because it's just so fun. I'm you know I'm glad to continue to spread the word through this podcast too. So thanks so much, Doug. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, and thank you everyone out there for once again joining the party.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.